Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. Sometimes the poetic point of a psalm is how it precedes or follows the psalm in front or behind it. And that's what we have in Psalm 111 and Psalm 112. They really go together. They're both the same kind of psalm. They're a Hebrew acrostic. Each line in the Hebrew poetic form begins with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So these psalms are carefully organized according to how what where the words flow and where they where we find certain words and phrases and they're done that way so that they can be memorized at least by the Hebrew. And both Psalm 11 and Psalm 112 begin with that same Hebrew word hallelujah. If you look in your Bible, you'll see that there's a text note if you have an NIV at least. There's a text note there that says this first verse, this first line is that word hallelujah. Hallelujah is praise be, and then Yah is short for Yahweh. Praise be the I am. Praise be he is, is literally what that's saying. Praise be he is. The reason why we praise the I am, praise he is in Psalm 111 is because of the security we have in our relationship with him, because of his character as the I am, and because his works of creation and redemption are forever. And those were the words that we saw repeated. Yahweh works forever. His works of redemption, his works of salvation because of his character and because he remembers his covenant forever. He is glorious and majestic and righteous and gracious and compassionate, merciful, and he remembers his covenant forever. His works are forever. And so the last verse of Psalm 111 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have a good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Now I'm reading out of the NIV today because I'm going to now go to Psalm 112 in the NIV. That's the next psalm. And it begins where Psalm 111 begins. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise be Yahweh. And then it has, it goes to that fear of the Lord that the last Psalm left with. And so blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commandments. Psalm 112 is sort of part two of Psalm 111. It too is an acrostic poem. It begins with each successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It starts the same. It picks up where Psalm 111 leaves off. But this time, it's not talking so much about focusing on the character of Yahweh, but now it's focusing on the character of those who are Yahweh's people because they believe in the word of Yahweh. They believe in the eternal works of Yahweh and the character of Yahweh. One of the things the Bible always wants us to do is to examine ourselves to see if we're living by the belief of what we think we believe. And Psalm 112 is doing that, is saying, look, if you believe Psalm 111 
about the security you have and the character of the I am and the eternal promises and the forever works of Yahweh in your life, then your life is more and more going to be able to flourish and blossom with the promises of all that God is for you in Christ. Your life is going to be renewed in these ways. And then Psalm 112 shows us those ways. Psalm 112 is nearly identical in length with Psalm 111. The main difference is, again, Psalm 111 is focusing on Yahweh. And Psalm 112 is about the one who fears Yahweh. The one who fears Yahweh will begin to be conformed into the image of Yahweh, resembling Yahweh's character and acts and works because his works last forever, those who believe in Yahweh, who believe in his promises, will begin to continue those works, live in those works. So when it says, blessed are those who fear the I am, who fear he is, who fear Yahweh, they find great delight in his commandments. And so here's the idea, to fear Yahweh is, again, is not to cower and try to hide, but it has this sense that I want to obey him, please him more than anyone or anything else. He is the greatest. He is full of steadfast love, and he is full of splendor and majesty and glory and beauty. He is the creator of the universe. I trust him. I follow him. I believe him. And so his commandments are my delight because I believe him. He knows his creation. He knows how I flourish. He has commanded me what is going to strengthen me and make my life flourish. And so I trust him. I delight in his commandments. And so verse 3, their righteousness endures forever. This forever idea of God's works the forever idea because God is infinite. He is the I am. He inhabits eternity and those who are his people also will be brought into his family of eternity. And so it says their righteousness endures forever. This righteousness that comes from believing the promises of God's word of all that he is for us in Christ begins to show up in how we view our lives, how we view what God has given us, how we view being a blessing to others, how we view what our purpose is in life. What's the point of us being here? The idea of the righteousness of God's people enduring forever is the kind of the dominant theme of this psalm. It's, it's God's righteousness that endures forever. And here the righteousness of those who fear the Lord and delight in his righteousness, delight in his word, delight in his commandments begins to show up in our character. It begins to show up in what we really want in life, what we desire, what we believe is true, what we believe is reality. Paul talks about it as putting off our old self and putting on the new self. So he says in Ephesians 4, 22, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. In other words, there are desires that are deceitful. They're a lie. They're meant to destroy us. They're not real according to the reality of God's universe. To, and he says in verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness 
and holiness. We, there's this true righteousness and holiness that God has always intended for us. He created us in his image to reflect his righteousness and his glory. That's what holiness is, his splendor, his radiance, his beauty. And he has given us the ability to become a new self in Christ. That's a process. It's not always an easy process because we have these deceitful desires. And so we're learning how deceitful those desires are. But we're learning to put on this new self, this true self in Christ. And Paul says that begins by being made new in the attitude of our minds, how we think about our lives, how we think about God, how we think about the purpose of our lives, how we think about the world and how we think about certain behaviors and how we see either the reward or the frustration and the dust and the thorns and the thistles and the death of certain behaviors, certain beliefs, certain attitudes. As the attitude of our mind is being renewed, God's righteousness becomes more and more our desire. And so Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We're learning that those who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness because of his character and because of his purpose that's eternal, that's forever, his works that are glorious and radiant, and his character that is compassionate and merciful, and his splendor that is righteous, and his holiness that is full of glory and beauty, that becomes more and more our desire. We're being renewed in the attitude of our mind so that righteousness becomes more and more the glory that it truly is. We see it as the beauty that it truly is. We long for it. We desire it. We delight in it. So the Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. We have this sense of being like Christ in glory and wisdom, and dignity, and love, and compassion, and power, and beauty, and righteousness. And that becomes more and more our desire. And with that desire, because we know that's our future, we know that's where our true flourishing is, it becomes our behavioral change more and more in this life. So listen to the next verse, verse 4. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. So we live in a world that is being, in many ways, corrupted by darkness. This is the world we live in, this side of the kingdom of God. But even in the darkness of this world, light begins to dawn in our lives. So the verse, I'll read the whole verse. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Now remember, Psalm 111 says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate and righteous. And so we're becoming more like him. He's starting to transform our lives so that our desires are his desires. We long for what he wants. We see him as the one who satisfies our soul. We see his love as the security of our lives and what gives our life meaning and purpose and significance. And so his righteousness becomes truly our desire. It's not rules that we're trying to follow. It's the dignity that we're trying to live by. 
a joy that we're trying to embrace, a satisfaction that we long for, that we know is only found in living in line with God's character. And God's character is gracious and compassionate and righteous. And that's who we become more and more toward others. We become gracious toward others. We become compassionate toward others. We become righteous toward others. And so what happens in our life is verse 5, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. We become people who want to bless our community through our shared giving, through seeing that the works of God in our lives are meant for us to be a work in other people's lives of blessing. So we share our wealth, we share our gifts, we share our strengths, we share who we are for the benefit of others. So here's something important for us to realize is that righteousness in the Bible and clearly in this psalm is not only about sexual ethics and use of our, you know, when it comes to stealing or lying, it is those things. It absolutely is. But it's also seen as compassion and generosity and being gracious toward people. That is righteousness as well. Being gracious toward somebody on social media that is saying something slanderous to us or about us, being compassionate, being gracious, being people of character like God when it comes to not insulting those who have insulted us, being generous toward people who are undeserving, doing what this last line in verse 5 says, those who conduct their affairs with justice. So it says in verse 7, they will have no fear of bad news. Now, that's not saying bad news is not going to happen because for everybody, it is going to happen. We're going to lose all of our loved ones. That's going to be bad news and we're going to die. And that's not going to be a, an easy death for most of us. Bad news is going to come in the form of, of a health report, sickness. Bad news is going to come in other ways as well. Everything comes to an end before the kingdom of God. We're all going to die until the resurrection. We're not going to have this guaranteed safety and security. That's not what this is promising. It's saying that we don't have to fear bad news because we have this sense that God's promises are forever. He remembers his covenant forever. The works of Yahweh are forever and he has a plan for our lives and we know that he's in charge and we don't have to fear. We don't have to be filled with anxiety and worry because we are content to pursue the righteousness of Yahweh and to trust in his word and to trust in his will for our lives. So we're not filled with trying to, in a sense, be in charge of our own destiny because we give our future to God who has a, a future for us in his eternal purpose. We know that he's present with us, that he's our, the I am. He's our heavenly father, Jesus says. He's the I am who is always present with us. This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. He says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus' point is there's no guarantee bad things aren't going to happen, 
but don't be afraid because you can trust that even when the sparrow falls, God knows it and God is involved in every detail of your life to the very hairs of your head. Nothing is going to happen to you outside of your father's care, he says. So we don't have to be afraid, he says. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. And even God knows when the sparrow falls. He's involved. He cares. And you're much more valuable to God than sparrows. So let me read verse 7 again in Psalm 112. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast trusting in Yahweh, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are courageous. We've looked at this before in Psalm 108. Their hearts are full of courage because they trust in the Lord. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in Yahweh, trusting in the I am, trusting in he is. Verse eight, their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. All the foes to our happiness, all the foes to our flourishing, all the foes to our satisfaction, death, sickness, sin, those who slander us, those who harm us, the things that bring pain into our lives, we will look in triumph on all our foes as he will wipe every tear from our eyes and we will dwell in the presence of God forever. So it says again, verse seven and eight, they will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord, trusting in the I am. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. The way we deal with anxiety and worry is to see ourselves in the bigger story, that we are in this larger story. This was written 3,000 years ago, and we are part of this story. We are continuing this story of those who are the people of Yahweh, the people of the I Am, who are trusting in His eternal redemption, His forever works, His forever works of creation and redemption, and trusting in His character his character of majesty and splendor and glory and beauty and righteousness and holiness and mercy and compassion and becoming people who are reflecting his character in our own lives, desiring his righteousness and therefore loving his commands, seeing life in his commands, seeing flourishing in his commands. And so we don't have to fear the things that happen in life, even though, of course, all of us don't want bad things to happen and there is real pain and suffering when they do. Nobody wants that. Yet we have this bigger picture. We have this bigger lifting our eyes and seeing a bigger horizon, a bigger story of God caring about every detail of our lives. Nothing happens to us, Jesus says, outside of his care. And we can trust him with steadfast hearts, trusting in his word, trusting that he is faithful to remember his covenant forever, trusting that he is faithful to his compassion and mercy forever to us in Christ, and that he has this eternal forever work for us, this eternal forever plan for our lives. And so our hearts are secure. They don't have to be driven by fear because we know that in the end, we will be victorious in Christ. But the last verse, verse 10 says, the wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. 
This is a great way for us to see the contrast of the story. Which narrative do you want your life to be in? The life of nothing but thorns and thistles and dust and death in the end where everything you long for comes to nothing. Everything wastes away. Ignoring, rejecting the commands of Yahweh, the commands of the I Am, whose works are forever, his works of creation, his works of redemption and salvation, the God of radiant glory and majesty and beauty and compassion and mercy and grace, rejecting that in order to pursue wickedness, in order to pursue other purposes, other goals for your life, to live your life as your own God, will do nothing but waste away in the end, and your longings will come to nothing. It is a dead end, but the contrast is to be involved in the blessed are those, flourishing are those, happy are those, like it says here in verse 1, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their righteousness endures forever, forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteousness. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the I am. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. And so I praise you, Yahweh. Hallelujah, Yahweh. Blessed am I. Flourishing is my life. Full of your life full of your love, full of your radiant beauty and glory and majesty and life from the one who is the author of life and the one who is the source of all existence and the one who inhabits eternity and the one who is always 100% present with me and cares for me, focused on me. I am blessed when I trust in you, when I find great delight in your commandments, because I fear you, I am in awe of you, am in awe of you, and worship you over anything else, anyone else. I know that this righteousness of my new self in Christ will be forever. I will become more and more righteous in this life because of your Holy Spirit who indwells me. I am a temple of your Holy Spirit. And in the resurrection, I will be raised in a body of righteousness without sin, without corruption. But even now in this darkness, light will shine for me because your Holy Spirit of light indwells me. I am a child of the light. And because you are gracious and compassionate toward me in Christ, I am gracious and compassionate toward those, even those who don't deserve it. I will trust in you in the bad news of my life. I will trust that you care for me, that you are the I am who is always present with me. Nothing happens to me down to the very hairs of my head, the cells of my body, apart from your care for me as my heavenly father, Jesus says. And so my heart is steadfast in trusting in you, Lord, trusting in you, 
the I am. My heart is secure and I will have no fear because I know that in the end, I am part of this victorious story in Christ, this bigger story, this better story, this bigger life that you have for me. And so I trust you and delight in you and delight in your righteousness and delight in your compassion and your graciousness and your mercy and your generosity and your commandments. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.